0: Hello and welcome to another episode of Book Faces Live, the show where we talk the faces behind your books. I'm Nathan Van Koops, I'm your host, and today I'm excited to bring you an interview with science fiction and fantasy author, Lindsay Baroker. Uh, welcome to the show, Lindsay.
1: Hey, thanks for having me. Glad to be here.
0: I'm thrilled to have you. It's, um, it's great to, to get to see you again. Um, we were able to, to meet in person uh, briefly up in Chicago at the Selmore Book Show Summit, which was fantastic. Um, you were a guest speaker there, which I, I really enjoyed getting a chance to meet you. But um, I'm excited to have you on and actually talk about your books. Um, first first off, one of the things I was I was hoping you could tell us about is um, you've you got an up-and-coming book called uh, Fractured Stars. We've got the cover shown shown there. Could you tell people a little bit about what you're working on right now? Sure,
1: I'm uh, kind of returning to science fiction after last year was all about the fantasy and the dragons. Mm-hmm. Um, this is just a standalone novel, or it's supposed to be. I, I okay. st- all my standalones end up being book ones yeah, eventually, sure. but for now it wraps up. It's a, it's actually a kind of a space opera slash planet side adventure set in the far future. Okay. and um, my heroine in this one, she's kind of an autism Asperger's type, so it mm-hmm. was. Fun to write that <laughs> Very close to home for me And uh, there's a little bit of a romance too So it's kind of uh, fun It's a little different than your typical romance um, She has to Kind of get to the, end of the person first And he has his own issues to work through So it's always fun when you're doing characters That have issues <laughs> It gives you yeah. something to explore in the story While the uh, shooting And uh, being captured And spaceships being stolen is going on
0: <laughs> Yeah yeah, that's, that sounds sounds like a, a great setup. Um, and what, what got you uh, inspired to jump back into space opera after uh, having been in fantasy for the recent, recent past?
1: I just enjoy both of the genres. Uh, in 2016, I did this big eight-book uh, sci-fi series called The uh, Fallen Empire, mm-hmm. and I've just been kind of wanting to go back to that world. I... I'm not sure that I feel like the dragons probably sell better for me. <laughs> I mean, yeah. who doesn't love dragons? Yeah. But I, I do enjoy doing the science fiction and it's just you know, taking out the magic, throwing in a little tech. It's I, I feel that a lot of my stories are sim you know, similar no matter what the background is. You can always I do characters that are very character driven and mm. uh But, yeah, it was just uh, fun to return to that world, and we will see how this one does. I'm just getting it ready to launch here in the next couple days.
0: The the cover is fantastic. It's a beautiful cover for for everybody watching live can see it. But um, who did your cover design for this?
1: Mm, Deranged Doctor Design. (laughs) I can tongue twister up their name there.
0: Yeah. And
1: um, it was kind of a challenge trying to decide which way to go, because with the space opera, you often just do, here's a cool spaceship. Yeah. Flying through some asteroids, maybe another spaceship is shooting at it, Pupy. but I, I know some people like the characters on the cover, mm-hmm. too, so we'll see if that strikes a chord with anyone.
0: I liked it, I, I like I said, a lot of these, you know, spaceship shooting each other covers are starting to look, you know... Pretty much the same. There's a lot of them that have that genre, which obviously works and obviously sells, so you've got that going on as well, but I particularly enjoy the fact that you could see some characters on this, so you'll let me know how that goes. And, uh, Definitely.
1: Yeah, I, I it's funny, because on the space opera covers, I can usually go, oh, that's Tom Edwards right there. No, that <laughs> one. <laughs> and, you know, there's like three guys that I think they illustrate half of the top 100 there in the yeah. <laughs> military, sci-fi, and space opera categories.
0: Yeah, you can tell who's dominating and who their cover designer is. So that's fantastic. Um, so you've been writing science fiction and fantasy for a long time. We were just chatting before we went on the air that... Um, you wrote *Emperor's Edge*, the *Emperor's Edge* series, back in in two thousand and ten. Um, what got you into writing in the first place? Uh, as far as why you said I'm, I've got all these stories in my head. You've you've written, is it over sixty books now?
1: That's probably about right, because I've yeah. got a pen name too. That's got like fifteen, and um, I stopped counting. I haven't counted recently, so. Yeah, I, about right. <laughs> I was on
0: Amazon clicking through, and I, I gave up around sixty. And like, I, and then there was box sets on top of that too. So um, it was definitely hard to keep track of. But you've obviously had a lot of stories to tell. What? Where did this come from?
1: I was a only child and just read. Four or five books a week, you know, we'd do car trips and I was reading in the back of the station wagon <laughs> mm-hmm. um, So I always loved writing and reading I think I wrote my first story when I was like five or six It was a boy trapped on an island with a horse and a wolf So I totally ripped off the black stallion <laughs> But I added a wolf, so okay. therefore original there you And go. I, I always kind of wrote growing up, but I was also told, you know, you're not going to make a living as a writer, most likely, so you should probably study business or computer science or something, which I did. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was only, you know, this last 10 years or so, I'd kind of gotten back into it, hoping to find a publisher and an agent and all that. And then in 2010 happened to be the year that I got my first Kindle, and I remember J.A. Conrath was blogging about how much money he was making self-publishing. Yeah. And I was like, well, hang on, hold on. Let's, let's try this maybe instead of the agent route. So, and I, I wrote kind of the high fantasy, uh, secondary world stuff. And I, when I was looking for agents, most of them were like, don't send us anything that, you know, <laughs> yeah. sounds like anything Tolkien in, or D&D inspired. So I was like, well, gosh, hardly anyone is looking for this stuff. So. Seem like a, a good reason to give self-publishing a try.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, because just because publishers aren't looking for it doesn't mean there's not tons and tons of readers out there looking for it, which you've obviously found. Um, so, where did you? It's incredible to for someone to to write sixty books in such a short amount of time or over that. Because I know you actually have your uh, romance pen names and such. Um, where did you get the the drive? for what what is your your day to day look like um, as far as your writing schedule?
1: Well, I was able to go full time pretty early on. I think 2012 I I was self-employed anyway, so it was sort of a mm. gradual shift and <laughs> ignoring the old job probably before I should have, but um I was so I was really determined once I saw there was potential to make money, like to actually write enough and learn enough about the marketing side to hopefully, you know, my first goal was just like if I can make 3000 a month, you know, I can kind of shift away from the other stuff. So Uh, I will say the first novel took about seven years to finish, so I wasn't like born (laughs) doing it fast. I've mentioned on our podcast that uh, a few of those years I may have been playing World of Warcraft and not making a whole lot of progress, but I just kind of gradually, you know, my first goal was just to write a thousand words a day, and uh, in the beginning it took a long time to edit because I put everything through a workshop, which was a good learning experience for me. I have no regrets there. So and it just gradually got I got a little faster. I, I heard about other authors that were writing a lot of words a day. You know, Rachel Aaron came out with her 2k to 10k um, words a day book, <laughs> and I was like, whoa, nobody can write 10k. And I was like, well, if somebody yeah. else is doing it, I'll give it a shot. So now, depending on like what my uh, I always have deadlines because my editors got in really busy, so she slots me each month, to, and yeah. I never want to, like, miss a slot, so I just try to have something, even if it's just a novella ready for her, so uh, that helps, too, having deadlines, mm-hmm. but yeah, I will tend to do, like, five to ten thousand words a day when I'm writing new stuff, and then I'll shift over to editing and, you know, give myself, like, a week to go over a novel or so, and then... Once it's off to my beta readers or my editor, I'm kind of already starting in on the next thing.
0: Mm. And it had to be you know, motivating, finding some early early success to continue on with this, this path. What were some of the things that happened early on? I mean, so you put, put Emperor's Edge out in 2010, um, but a lot of people put out books around that time. And a lot of them didn't have nearly the success that yours have had. Um, are there anything that you attribute that success to early on, some things that you were doing right um, that you could fill us in on?
1: I think that the story, even though I, you know, how you look back at your first book and you're always like, oh, this is painful, mm. you know, I, the characters I think were fun and really resonated with a lot of people, so that helped that it was a pretty decent novel, <laughs> I guess, especially considering some people were putting things out, especially back then without any editing or anything like that. Um, the covers were not the best. I actually, back then, there was not this whole industry of cover designers for indie authors, so you kind of had to go hunting on Art to find someone, or, you mm-hmm. know, you, eventually I got somebody that was just getting started doing cover design. So that was, I didn't have an awesome cover, so maybe that would have been <laughs> something, but I was very willing to discount the books early on, Um, as soon as I think I had book 3 out, maybe even book 2, I made the first one 99 cents for a Mm -hmm. while, and then when I had book 3 out, I had figured out by then how to make Amazon list it for free, Mm -hmm. that was a little bit of a secret back then, with the price matching, and um, so that really was sort of the thing that helped me, you know, and I was always, I was playing around with advertising, but back then, I think Kindle, Kindle Nation Daily. There there was like one site, and then Goodreads. You could do pay-per-click ads, and I played around with that. Um, One of the early things. I got a doggy back there.
0: (laughs) Wondering why the
1: door's closed. Uh, One of the early ones. I was lucky enough. You know how you submit to all the review sites, Mm -hmm. and back then hardly anybody wanted self-published books. But uh, I remember the Fantasy Book Critic took on one of my books, and I was really excited because. I think I sold like 50 copies which was like a really big deal you know that month that they reviewed it so that was one of the early things that I was uh, lucky to get a little exposure that way but I'm not somebody that ever had a huge hit it's just kind of been a gradual build-up over the years and Mm -hmm. like I said it it took a couple years to get to the point where uh, I I think this can be the day job and I could actually make enough money to do this full-time
0: about how many books out do you think you had at that point
1: I remember I was probably around book six in my Emperor's Edge series when I was like, wow, you know, money, money's looking pretty decent. And uh, yeah. <laughs> so that was about a year and a half in, and I'd done a, not, some novellas on the side, too. Uh, at the time, you know, it was probably taking me about five months, four or five months between releases. Those books were longer also, so epic fantasy people <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> just acknowledge if you're going to write books that are 130,000 words or more, you know, it's probably not going to be a book a month kind of thing. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Most people aren't going to write a book a month, but, you know, once you've been doing it for a while, you can get faster.
0: Mm-hmm. Are you an outliner? Or are, you an plotter, or are you a plotter? are you more of a seat of the pantser when you started out? How, what's your uh, structuring look like?
1: I started out as a seat of the pantser. And I used to, when I was younger, I'd start all these epic novels and I'd get about 50,000 words into it and go, Okay, my characters are trapped in a dungeon and <laughs> I, I haven't really written in a way for them to get out and I'd get or I'd get bored of it yeah. and abandon it. So I had a lot of things I started and didn't finish before mm-hmm. I got a little more committed and I was also inspired by seeing other people finishing their books and getting them out there, you know, in my workshop. Um, but now I've definitely started outlining, and it just makes things a lot faster. I'm a lot less likely to have to like throw away a whole chapter or, or rewrite something majorly that usually doesn't happen. Every now and then, my beta readers will say, ah, you know, something. you know, this character I hated this character and I think I was supposed to like. him." so I'm like, oh no, I better you know do some major rewriting of that one. Yeah, but it, it's helped me be more efficient, I guess.
0: Yeah, it's great to get to the point. When you have those beta readers that you can trust, you can say, um, "You know, give me your honest feedback on this and and make your stuff better." Um, uh, Speaking of which, Kay Clark says hello. She's—I know she's been a wonderful beta reader for me. So hi, Kay. Um, Anyone who is watching live, if you have questions or comments for Lindsay, uh, definitely feel free to shoot them up, and we'd be happy to answer them on the air here. Or if you're watching. Uh, the replay later on, and you want to uh, shoot up some questions or comments for Lindsay? Definitely drop them in the comments, and we'll we'll have her come back and answer those as best she can. Sure thing. Hi, Kay. <laughs> <laughs> um. So. Uh. You you've also made it made a big point of being in love with dragons. I listen to your podcast uh, every week and uh, talk about the the fantasy and the um your your epic fantasy so you talked about diving into epic fantasy what are some of the things that that um, you found that readers definitely wanted from your stories or were there particular themes or things you said you're very character driven anything else that comes out in your stories that has been sort of a a repeated uh, theme or or arc
1: I've noticed that (laughs) dogs are determined to go outside (laughs) You know, they really like the characters that kind of are a little damaged, or mm. like it, they seem like they're going to be a villain in the beginning, and then gradually over the course of a series, maybe they, like, for whatever reason, they have to work with the heroine. And so I've had a couple like that where they seem to be, my readers seem to be really drawn to those. Uh, usually the male characters, I guess. And I have yeah. readers from both sexes, but I always feel like. I have a little bit of romance and stuff, so I, I expect maybe to resonate a little more with female readers. But so I, I guess kind of a redemption theme—I often have that going on. And just I, I do try to make the characters grow over the course of the a series, which can be hard when you're writing about the same characters book after book to actually show some changes that they're going through and keep it interesting. Yeah, I you know actually the series is where I have more just normal like a hero that's pretty chill like he doesn't have any issues you know too much uh it seems like those you know they still enjoy them the readers but you know they they don't seem to like people are going like more more we need more with this character yeah so i guess we all want to see somebody uh redeemed that (laughs) seems like they have all these issues in the beginning
0: yeah it's just a little bit more fascinating for us. Uh, Kay asks, she says, Hi, Lindsay, have you ever considered going back to your first attempts and finishing them? Or, um, I'm wondering if, you know, or use, she says, or your original characters in your current books. I wonder if, you know, made me wonder too are there still characters of yours stuck in dungeons somewhere? <laughs>
1: Most of this stuff I don't even have anymore. I used mm. to write in like Lotus on Windows and okay. now I'm like in Scrivener on a Mac and so I don't even know where I would go hunting. Like I never throw anything away. Yeah. But I would have to find some software that would actually read those. But i actually no, I tend to be always excited about the next thing that I'm going to invent and create. Mm. So it's a little harder for me to go back and uh, I have some series now that I, I need to finish that they, they didn't really sell that well or didn't resonate as well. So I kind of backburnered them, Mm -hmm. but I hate to just leave stuff hanging. So I'm going to going forward. I'm going to like kind of try to alternate new stuff that hopefully will sell and then also catch up on the older stuff that wasn't as great, but. There's always people who did read it, and of course they want you to finish it. So Mm -hmm. those I will definitely finish, and it usually, at this point, everything's fuzzy. So I usually have to go back and reread the series. So the longer the series was, the less likely I'm probably going to go and write a new book in it. Yeah, um, It's just, it becomes a little bit of work. It's actually easier at this point to make up something new where I don't have to, it's almost, you're doing research, which <laughs> <It> seems weird <laughs> to say about your own books, but...
0: No, I get it. Um, you definitely want, don't want to be that author who forgot, you know, the name of your own character, or the what they looked like and said something completely I different. I do. I'm,
1: I'm lucky my beta readers have good memories because sometimes I'll do something like I've had like man-eating plants a couple of yeah. times, and they're like, you cannot go to the man-eating plant well again. <laughs> but I'd forgotten that I had them in book four of that one series. i yeah. like, man-eating plants, they're wonderful. Why wouldn't you want to have them every series? So.
0: Is there a typical length that you aim for with a series, as far as number of books?
1: Um... The last one I did was only five, and it it was good for that story. That that was a good point. Uh, I've done one that's eight, and that can be feel start feeling a little long. Like maybe I milked it too much or something. So I don't know. Maybe around six books, but it is hard because sometimes you do get ideas, and and you're like, "Oh wait, I got to write the wedding book," or you know. (laughs) So. I'm probably in that five to eight range, I guess, with most of my series. I, I'm always amazed when people do like 20 book things. Mm-hmm. I'm like, well, if you can keep them selling, because that's the challenge. you got to keep more people coming into the first book mm-hmm. to always have people going through the series. So What's And your- you have to be excited about it still and want to write it.
0: Yeah. What is your go-to book when, when people first meet you and they learn that you're a writer and they want to try out one of your books where do you usually send them first um, as far as starting out from in your series?
1: I suppose it depends on what they are interested in. Mm-hmm. For the sci-fi, you know, I've got uh, Star Nomad starts up, my Fallen Empire series, and I, I feel like that was a pretty, you know, not like award-winning book, but pretty solid book, you know, and uh, so it's a good starting point. Uh, my first series, The Emperor's Edge, I actually feel like book one, you know i can tell i was a little newer of a writer then and it's maybe not my strongest but a lot of people enjoy that series and are always asking like are you going to do more <laughs> you know with these characters so I'll, I'll also do that one and then if they they love some dragons i've got the my dragon blood series i often have the box set first 3 free uh, and just because book one was supposed to be a standalone, so I didn't, it's not a very good series starter, mm. so I tend to promote the box set, because book three ends with kind of a cliffhanger on <laughs> and they're going to go on, continue their mission in book four, so yeah. that that's a little better for getting people into the series.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah, no, it, it's it's really great. And you said I mentioned some, some of these are free for people to try out. Which ones can people try out and just jump into for free if they want to try them out?
1: Star Nomad is always free, Um, Balanced on the Blade's Edge is the Dragonblood book one that's free, and I enjoy that story, so I have no problem recommending it. It's just not a cliffhanger, it kind of feels like a complete story since it wasn't supposed to start a series. Um, sometimes my box set, Dragon Blood box set, is free. I tend to alternate, uh, you know, try to get a BookBub ad every now and then, and then it'll go back up to, like, $5. Mm-hmm. First Emperor's Edge books, free. It's been free for years. I don't even think I could make it unfree at this point because it's, like, on <laughs> a Wattpad and scribed in a bunch of sites. So Yeah,
0: it's, it's, it's a lot easier to put it up than take it back down. Right. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, so I've, I've listened to you as a... Um, a speaker, and of course you you 've got your own uh, science fiction and fantasy marketing podcast which i should should mention which is fantastic for anyone who's a writer and is writing science fiction and fantasy and wants to to learn more about how to make their books sell um, can 't say enough good things about your your podcast um, do you have you written any uh, non fiction do you do you only write fiction?
1: I do not have any non fiction uh, I used to blog and then I started the podcast and that kind of took the place like of like, here's what we're doing and teaching, mm-hmm. sharing what I learned. Um, but I always thought, like, I could. I, I set myself up with the podcast and the blog so I could write nonfiction if I needed to, like, financially, if it seemed like it would be a good idea. Yeah. But since the fiction's done well enough that I can just do that, I enjoy that the most. And I would still have to really build up a platform if I wanted to sell nonfiction, because I've certainly seen cases where fiction authors, they'll be successful, and then they write this, Nonfiction book Like here's how I Became a successful author And it's You know It's got like Eight reviews And <laughs> yeah. Knows hardly any sales Because they didn't Have a platform Built up for that yeah. So And that would be A lot of work And uh, I always kept it In the back of my head As a possibility If I mean, like I never know Like maybe tomorrow Amazon will Cut royalties in half Or something And uh, it'll be a little Harder to to Make a good income So I, I've kept it As a possibility But I There's so much Good stuff out there Right now That I'm not even sure what I would write that already hasn't that hasn't already been
0: covered, right? Yeah, that is, there's a lot in the market right now for for indies, especially. And um, although you know, with your through your experience, I'm sure there's there's a lot you could contribute. Um, just and how did you end up um, with uh, Jeff and Joe as as uh, co uh, podcasters?
1: I had started a couple of podcasts over the years because I always liked the idea, but I never got mm-hmm. more than like seven episodes in. Because it was just me talking to myself, so it was very easy not to just not to keep doing it I thought, well, if I had a co-host or two or three, we even had a fourth person at one point Um, Then, and then we did it every week, I would stick with it And we have, we just about to, I think we hit 199 for episodes this last week And um, I kind of put things together, I I was hunting, I think I knew Joe because we'd been in some box sets together And maybe Jeff too, Mm -hmm. we all came up with smash words Kind of before draft digital came on the scene and before you could upload direct at any of the stores besides amazon and yeah. i think barnes and noble so i just knew them from that and i was looking for somebody that would do more of the tech stuff like i i get the guests and write up the show notes and stuff and joe uh you know he actually handles the recording and if we need to edit or anything he he does that stuff and jeff asked some questions Okay, and uh yeah. <laughs> we used to be live, and he would totally monitor the chat and everything, but we had a few things where YouTube lost our show. Oh no, and since yeah. we had guests, I felt really bad that like, I'm like, "I'm sorry, can you come back and we'll try it again?" So yeah. currently it's not live, but yeah. maybe again someday.
0: Yeah. And you had mentioned that this is this was actually your first uh, Facebook live appearance, so I was happy to get you on for your uh, on Facebook live today. Um,
1: well it seems so far just like uh, Skype interviews
0: so. <laughs> <laughs> pretty much the same thing yeah um, but uh, yeah no, I, I really enjoyed um, I always enjoy your episodes and, and yeah 200 episodes in is is pretty substantial so um, do you feel like that is by communicating with these other authors and kind of putting yourself out there has that influenced your your writing at all or your your the way you market? it
1: I've definitely gotten some ideas from the authors and and that's actually why we started the show and not like if the three, the three of us are experts on anything I mean I learned quite a bit now over eight years but I'm not like somebody that loves making ads and uh, putting it in a spreadsheet and analyzing what's you know, got a 17% return on investment. So it's really great to get those kind of people on, or just, uh, you know, like I'm not a YouTube make videos kind of person, and we've had a couple authors on that have found a following that way, or on Instagram, some of the, like I wasn't ever on there until recently. Mm-hmm. So I, I've definitely learned some things, and I'll take a few notes, you know, here and there and try to apply. If it's, you know, there's so much you could do. Yeah. that I don't try to do everything, but if something happens to be like maybe a tweak to something I'm already doing that could improve things, uh, I'm definitely game to at least give it a try.
0: Yeah, and I think it's kind of an interesting outlet for, for authors because a lot of authors are relatively introverted, and you know I know you, you're very big into the outdoors and spending time with your dogs, so maybe reaching out to other people probably isn't necessarily the first thing on your list of things to do but um, you know it, but in this this capacity you're the one reaching out to authors um, have you found that that format sort of makes it easier to do that
1: I have found it it's gotten easier like when I first started this I was like oh I don't want to do an interview or, or go on a video or go like, oh, that sounds horrible and it's become more of a like yeah it's not really a big deal I'm still not big into the public speaking. <laughs> that was my one and only speech you saw at the Salmore okay. Book Show, and I don't know if I'm super tempted to, to do more of them. But it, it's gotten a little easier to at least speak, you know, because this is something I'm interested in, so I always have an easier mm-hmm. time talking about things I'm interested in with uh, strangers. <laughs> yeah. But it does seem like another fantasy or sci-fi author. They're not just a total random person on the on the street like if you were just trying to sell your book to a stranger it, it's yeah. not quite that awkward you can so. always sort
0: of dial it down to like the, the inner geek core that we all have in us i think and then expand on the love of tolkien or, or whatever is at the base level of every science fiction and fantasy writer i think I think there's always right. And we around. all,
1: most almost all of us are writers first, and we've mm-hmm. learned some of the marketing stuff. Mm-hmm. I've certainly run into people that came from an internet marketing background, and that was maybe first, and the writing was a secondary thing that they got into, and they seem to have a little bit of an advantage, <laughs> at least <laughs> with the marketing stuff. But I think most of us are just, and i f- I hear from our listeners, too, that they're so relieved when they hear, like, Oh, they don't have to do everything. Or, you know, yeah. the, when I say, there's no way I would sell my books at a convention, you know, I mean, it's just not exciting to me. To I'm, I'm happy some people enjoy doing it, but I'm horrified of the idea of standing there behind a table, like, yeah, would you like to, no? Okay, that's okay, maybe next time, bye. <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah, it is tough. Cause there are so many different fronts that um, you could emphasize as an author. Uh, what do you think are the things that you're doing with your career that, like if you had to strip everything down to the, to the, the essentials, um, obviously the writing, but what do you consider to be kind of like the most essential elements of your current success?
1: Well, it's really boring, but I found this with my last career too, which I was actually kind of created for myself, was just blogging about nonfiction and uh, doing like Google AdSense and affiliate stuff, mm-hmm. that if you're just consistent that's really a huge part of it so many of the authors i see that are we're starting around the same time i was that are still around you know they've consistently put out books every year mm-hmm. and then there's people that i remember that were selling hugely and having this amazing success back in like 2011 and you look around and it's like well what happened to them they're completely gone that book is now in the millions in the sales rankings and they haven't written anything in 5 years yeah so i feel like just You know, you don't have to publish every month, but, you know, whatever your pace is, if it's once a year or twice a year, if you're just there every year, you gradually do build up a fan base and people remember you. Whereas if you just had this big hit and then you didn't publish anything for years, you know, people are probably not going to even remember the book. So consistency is boring, but it's true. (laughs) It just seems to be how you gradually get more people aware of you over time.
0: And I think that's one of the inspiring things about your story because I know you mentioned that you didn't have any one particular breakout success, and I think a lot of authors are seeing someone who was the sort of lightning strike story who rocketed to the top, and they're spending all their time trying to duplicate that, um, which is much more difficult than duplicating the hard work of just keep putting out books is what you're doing. And, yeah, it's it's less glamorous of a path, but it's so much more... Uh, attainable and, you know, repeatable, I guess. Um, so for me, anyway, it's, it's, it's inspirational to hear, um, to hear someone tell about their successes just from putting in the work over time. Um, what, what's next for you? You said you got Fractured Stars coming out um, shortly, and what are you writing after that?
1: Um, I also have a new fantasy series that I published at the or the first couple at the end of the summer here called Agents of the Crown. It's kind of a fantasy mystery series which As I was talking about on our podcast, it's not really a niche or a category in Amazon. So it's probably, you know, I know already it's not going to be a huge seller, but it makes enough that it's worth writing and the fans are enjoying it. So I've got about three more of those, and that'll probably kind of be the project for the rest of 2018, which I don't know where 2018 is going, but it's Mm. going fast. (laughs) And then I'm probably going to do, uh, like, catch up with an older series, because I've promised my readers <laughs> forever that there would be a new installment really soon. And then 2019, I hope to do a nice big sci-fi series again. I've been itching to get back to that, so lots of stuff planned. It's why I'm glad I write quickly, because I always have, like, at least <laughs> five things I want to write.
0: Yeah. How do you focus your energy? I mean, obviously, you go with somewhat of what the readers want. There's obviously what the market wants. But then there's what you want. Um, what's your Which way do you usually lean?
1: Oh, kind of a mix of all that, you know? Yeah. Like, I don't always do, like, if I was smart, I probably would have kept doing the Dragon books that were selling quite well at the end of uh, 2017, beginning of this year. I did five of those. Yeah. And people wanted more, and they were still selling well. But... You know, I'd I'd gotten the hero to the point where he was really coming into his powers, and it was going to be hard. It's sort of like anybody that does superhero novels. If they're so powerful, it's hard to come up with a bad guy that's convincing danger to put them in. So I thought, well, this is a good place to stop this, and then... You know, the fantasy mystery series just came out of a retreat I did with some of my beta readers who had become friends over the years. And uh, they're supposed to write something in the world, too. We'll see if that happens. I, they always like the idea of writing, <laughs> but yeah. finishing things and putting them out there, you know, maybe not. Um, so that was just, that's one of those for the love of it things. And um, again, Fractured Stars is sort of the same way. Like, my sci-fi usually does okay. I do not know if having an autistic hero will be a selling point or a detracting point, so we'll find out. Um, it, or maybe it'll just be neutral and not affect it either way, but um, that's kind of a small, just a bit of a romance story, so I, I'm not expecting anything huge from that. Um, I, I always say I'm going to put together like a series that I think has the potential to like. I've got all the tropes that are popular for sci-fi or whatever, but I, I don't know. I'm afraid I'd fail if I if I tried that. So it's better to just write what I'm really excited about and let it go from there, and then try to market the finished product.
0: Yeah, and I, I admire the fact that you haven't gotten pigeonholed at all. There's quite a few authors who think, oh, well, I've written this one particular series; it's been successful, but now I'm stuck in this genre. But you write sci-fi, you write fantasy, you're writing, you know, space opera, but you've also got, I know you have a pen name where you write romance as well, so it seems like you've definitely had the courage to just take leaps and, and try new things, and um, I definitely admire that. Uh, and it seems like you've experimented a lot with your cover designs as well, like, do you feel like you just experiment until you find what works and then and then run with that?
1: Well, I always like the idea of illustrated covers, but I find it very hard to find artists that kind of, I like their style and mm-hmm. they're fast and they can get the books done as fast as I, I have no idea what you're eating. <laughs> <laughs> I've got dogs rebelling right now. Um, but yeah, so I, I go back to Deranged Doctor Design a lot. They mm-hmm. do the Photoshop manipulation stuff, which, mm-hmm. you know, it's not, for fantasy, it's really fun to have illustrated things, but yeah. I think that the level... We've got so many options now with the Photoshop, like they, you know, there's some sites that have come along that do the models in multiple poses and put them in like a costume that would be okay for fantasy or sci-fi. Sci-fi yeah. authors know how hard it is to find <laughs> some kind of clothing that doesn't look dated or, you yeah. know, that's going to work for the futuristic stories. But there's more options out there now. And, um, so those are looking really good. I think those kind of covers. So I'm, I'm leaning towards just sticking with those. Uh, But with the space operas, we were talking about the the spaceship and the stars and stuff. (laughs) It's always popular, and illustrators seem to be able to do those more easily than people. Mm -hmm. I know I've tried to draw, and people are really hard. (laughs) Yeah. So if it works for the genre, I will do it, and if I can get some good illustrations, I'm happy to do illustrated stuff, too.
0: Yeah, I I noticed that you had one from uh, Mariliza Chan who I've used in the past as, as well. She had one of your uh, fantasy covers, which, you know, they're gorgeous, but they're also very expensive uh, to, to get fully illustrated covers. Um, That's
1: the trouble, too, with illustrations Another of them. And it can be worth it if, you know, one of my problems with writing so quickly is that I outpace the artist, mm. and I don't want to hold back my release because I'm waiting for cover art, so... You know, I've I have had her do some illustrations for me, uh, but you know, too once uh, artist gets popular, it can be hard to get them booked. Also,
0: (laughs) yeah, I know there's certain authors that just won't say who their their uh, illustrators are or who their editors are because they're just so good and they get in demand and they can't use them anymore. So, um, challenges of being successful, I guess. But um, Lindsay, we've. We've uh, blazed through our half hour, and I'm sure I could t- talk to you for a long time, and we'd have a lot to talk about. But um, we'll try to wrap things up a little bit. Where can people find more information about you if they want to hunt down your books and um, check out what you've got written?
1: Yeah, I'm just at lindsaybaroker.com And mm-hmm. if you get close on the spelling, I think Google will <laughs> point you to my website or check it out on I'm on Amazon with everything, and then everything that's at least a year old is also on all the other sites. Uh, if they are writers or sci-fi fantasy marketing people, <laughs> we have the podcast is at marketingsff.com. So either of those spots can get some more stuff about me.
0: All right well, that's fantastic. yes. I def- highly recommend the podcast for any writers out there who are writing science fiction fantasy, and you know, almost 200 episodes in there's a lot of, a lot of great content there. Well, um, Lindsay, I really appreciate you taking the time to, to be on the show today. It's, it's been a lot of fun, and I hope to have you on as a guest sometime again in the future.
1: Sounds great. I would love to join you again.
0: All right. thanks. And every- so would my dogs. <laughs> <laughs> they were great. They did fantastic. So, all right. Thanks, everyone, for watching. We'll see you again next episode.
1: Bye, everyone.